0: We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter seven, verses seven through twelve. And I thought, since it's talking about God and his, we're 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 His children, I thought it'd be great to have Isaac read because I think you'll listen to him instead of me. So, you
1: ready? Uh-huh. Okay, okay, ready. well, give him a snake. If you 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 then thought you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to the one who asks him? So to in everything. Do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the Law and the Prophets. Okay.
0: Okay, Wonderful. Do you want to say a prayer? Do you want to say a prayer? Do you want to pray? Um, I... Would you like to say a prayer? Um, um, okay. Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, thank you for this day.
1: Thank you for this day, and
0: that we get to hear from your word.
1: And that we get to hear from your word, and
0: that you're our good Father. And
1: that you're our good Father,
0: and you give us good
1: gifts. And you give us good gifts. Amen. Amen.
0: Okay. Thank you, buddy. Okay.
1: All right, you get to go to Powerhouse.
0: Who's my boy?
1: <laughs> oh.
0: There we go. Hey, good morning, Fremont Community Church. How are we? It's been a while. Um, it's been kind of an interesting weekend. Um, in fact, uh, before I begin, I just want to uh, pray for, you know, we, we lost Rick Engel, who I've worked with for many years here um, in Kauai. He was just here last weekend with his wife, and so um, I just want to say a prayer for him. Lord Jesus we know rick is in your presence lord he's his snarky sarcasm made us laugh god a shepherd to our choir to our production team lord uh, we're still in shock god um we know he was recovering we know he had some health issues um that you answered our prayers god but then ultimately you took him home. And so God, be with Judy. Thank you that, that Jay Park is there, God, who knows what it's like to lose someone. Lord, I'm just amazed how the body of Christ kicks in, Lord, and how he knows how to exactly how to comfort Judy right now. Um, and Lord, be with the kids. Be with Lexi and with Andy and Thad, Lord, and their families as they're making their way to go be with Judy, God. Um there's just there's no words to describe death, Lord. It it it's I don't understand it, God, but we know you conquered death, and we know that Rick is in your presence, Lord. And so those of us that are left here feeling orphaned because of the care and the love that he gave, God, we just, um, his presence is here with us, God. His thumbprint is on this church, God. And so we honor him. So great to have the choir sing today, Lord, as he's smiling, I'm sure. So God, we, um, we grieve, we grieve the loss of our friend, we grieve the loss of our friend, God, so hold Judy and the kids tight, and the grandkids who are gonna, who are trying to make sense of this news, Jesus, so Holy Spirit, we give you this 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 morning, Lord, we 're not promised tomorrow, we are not promised tomorrow, and so God, we want to give you our whole heart today, Jesus, we want to take steps towards you because you are good, good good father. Help us to trust that, God. Those of us on a journey wondering if you're good, if we can be trusted, God, it's just a lifelong journey because many of us didn't have good examples for fathers, but you're our perfect father, God. So we want to dive in today, God, and we just, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Yes, we're continuing our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, and the thread kind of throughout the Sermon on the Mount is this, that we are these kingdom people living here on earth. We are, as Pastor Eric says, we are apprenticing under Jesus. And I love that because Jesus' vision for his people is that we are bringing his kingdom to earth, to our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, to our everyday life. And and Jesus gives us kind of a picture what his kingdom looks like here on earth. Basically, to sum it up, it's love God and love people, right? That God wants us to love him with all of our guts. That means heart, soul, mind, and strength with all of our chutzpah, if you will. And then we're to love our neighbor as ourself. And those are tall tasks to do because we don't love God with all who we are. I think we we withhold a little bit. And the same thing with, with our neighbor. We sure love ourselves. I You know, I... We love to take selfies. We love to announce to the world how amazing we are. And, you know, I get caught up in that too. But um, the whole law and prophets hinge on these two things loving God and loving people. And Jesus is constantly telling that. And so we look at this passage that Isaac read. We get this picture and this beautiful metaphor. I love how Jesus uses analogy and pictures and metaphors to describe his mission. And it's, it's we're to approach God as vulnerable children. And that's hard to do sometimes. I like what Jeff Vanderstelt said. He's one of the pastors at this greenhouse church that we went to this past week in Pensacola. Talking about microchurch and what God's doing. Not in the masses, but in the small little pockets. How his kingdom is moving. And Jeff Vanderstelt said this. The best place to be is in the place of need. Man, need sounds pretty vulnerable i don't want to be in need but he suggests the best place to be is in this place of need this is the posture that god desires for us his children and i think that's that's really hard especially us men who have a hard time with vulnerability remember we'd have to ask directions to, to if we got lost back in the day before phones remember we'd have a map and then you know the, our wives are wives that say you know you're lost? No, I'm not. I'm not going to ask anybody. I'm I'm good. I'm going to. We get lost, but it's just there's something vulnerable about asking for stuff and being needy. But I think God is attracted to neediness, right? Jesus made a beeline for those people in need. Remember when Jesus was on Earth, he he kind of his spidey sense, if you will, was who's in need. I mean his audience were all the needy working class people, those that are poor in spirit, those that Eugene Peterson says, those that were the at the end of their ropes. These are the ones that Jesus was speaking. And he just simply says this in this passage. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask, seek, knock. In fact, the acronym for ask is ask, seek, knock. Little insight. So this is kind of what we're going to kind of go through this morning is that God wants to hear from you. God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear your cries, your groans, those things that make... You that, you know, the concerns. For me, it's my fears and my worries. Sometimes I, I just shape my worries into prayer. Lord, keep Grace safe as she's driving, as she's going to a concert in San Francisco, as she drives in downtown SF. Or help her find a man that that, that is going to have a heart for you. And, and my other kids, as they navigate high school and preschool and and all this world that's so dark, I just feel like it's... God wants to hear those things from us because I think that we have a God who listens to our cries and prayers, a God who listens. And we're gonna have an experience at the end of, this, at end of this message of this picture that God gave me when I was on staff for Young Life when I was in my 20s about this woman who was 90 years old and she came to the Young Life staff and, and she's just, you, you're around her and you just sense the presence of Jesus. And she gave me this image that has stuck with me all these years, and I'm gonna save that for the end just as a little treat. But really, asking is a big deal. I'm gonna talk about that in a second because I had kids and they ask for stuff. And seeking, then Jesus kind of ups the ante. Seeking is actually being active and going to do something. And then knocking, that's knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door, right? I think of that song, I'm like, we're gonna talk a little bit about that. But we get, we get to move towards God, We get to boldly approach his throne because when we seek God, we find him. I love what the prophet Jeremiah says in 29, 13. He says, God says, if you want to find me, you have to seek me with all of your heart. I like what the message says. This is is awesome. When you come searching for me, you'll find me. When you get serious about finding me, and you want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. If you want it more than anything else. You see, God wants to be pursued. Just like your wife wants to be pursued. Just like your children wants to be pursued. Just like your granddaughters, and your grandsons, and your kids, your daughters. Right? you seek. Like oftentimes in NBA, I love to watch the NBA right now. I know baseball season's coming and I'll get on that. I can't wait. But I love how when when um, a player bounces a ball or does not no-look pass and he goes like this. Like, I saw you. I saw you. You know, they do that to the crowd. It's like, oh my gosh, I love it. He was seeking the pass. But I, I get that picture of just, they're seeking their, their, their teammates, you know, and it's, 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 blows me away so this metaphor of knock and the door will be opened true story I'm an introvert lately people are knocking at my door I've had three or four solar companies Um, I've had you know some solicitors and I'm that guy that's like I hide okay you hear the knock because I know if I open the door I'm in trouble I'm going to give out my cell phone number. Christy goes, Doug, you should never answer the door. Because I see these lives. I see these vulnerable kids that are trying to make a living, and they're trying to connect. It's super vulnerable for them. And I get in on that, and I'm like, so I've got, like, these two guys are texting me about, well, are you going to do solar? And I talk to my father-in-law, who's wise, about what he did for solar. And so I'm just kind of like, every time I open the door, I get in trouble. It's, it's like this physical thing, and then I get this, okay, this, this person's really persistent. They're not going to give up. Um, you know, five months ago, I was served, actually. It was really weird. Grace had gotten into a car wreck. It was a fender bender. The woman was kind of suing us. It was her business car, and this was years ago when she first started driving, and I had thought that, that farmers had taken care of it, and they were, but she was knocking. She was knocking. I peeked, and I'm like, who is this person? She saw me peek, and they started knocking on the window. <laughs> knocking on the window, and I'm like, yes, you've been served, just like you, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, she, and she took off, didn't even say hi, just, she was persistent, right, and you get the parable of the persistent widow, one of the best stories in the Bible about this woman who's badgering this judge, you know, beating him black and blue, and, and she says, hey, grant justice for my adversary. And because this judge was like, okay, leave me alone, I'm gonna do this. God's like, hey, I'm not like that judge. It's so much more. And so this ask, seek, and knock is a beautiful relationship that's forged in this intimacy. It's this vulnerability. It's the beauty of relationship. It's this childlike trust that we are moving towards God the Father in his heart. And in the Sermon on the Mount, we can see... So we can trust God our father because Jesus is the one that's talking about God is a good God. You don't have to worry. Why do you worry about what you eat and what you drink and what you wear? God's got it. Stop worrying. Stop judging. God knows what he's doing. You know, like a loving father, he knows what his children need before they ask. Right? Why do I have to ask if God already knows everything well? Because he wants us to ask and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. So the ingredients of prayer is ask, seek, knock. That's kind of the ingredients. It's, it's, it's a constant practice. When people say, how is your prayer life? I'm like, oh, you know, I always feel like, well, it's, I probably don't pray enough. But sometimes I think breathing and eating and groaning is all that asking and seeking and knocking that God sees because it's relationship. Now, for those of you, who's, who's a parent or grandparent in the room? Okay, yes. This is a great image that we get, is that, you know, these little humans, they ask for stuff. Okay, Isaac, every morning, comes up to my bed, no lie, dad, I love you, no, he doesn't say that, can I watch TV, can I have a pancake, hot chocolate, can I have soda, can I have, can I have, can I have, or this one, can I have chicken nuggets for breakfast, Right? And I just feel like, sure. Or my 14-year-old, I I sort of asked her, I'm not going to roast her. But this is what a teenager asks for. Ready for this? Dad, can I dye my hair red? When can I get a real phone? I'd like a real phone, not one that just texts. Hey, Dad, can I have this for my birthday? Fill in the blank. Dad, when can I start practicing driving? What kind of car should I get, Dad? I'm really... Curious. She's 14. Hey, Dad, can we have panda for dinner? Hey, Dad, when can I get a dog? You, you, I keep, you keep kind of putting it off. When can I have a dog? Or, Dad, this is my favorite. Can we go shopping today? Oh, no. Right? Because kids ask for stuff all the time, you guys. It's constant. For Kayla, it's like Blitzkrieg. I get in the car, and I pick her up, and I know she's going to rattle off a menu of requests. Like, did Mom... Mom said I can get a haircut today, and I'm thinking about dying at this and that. I'm like, I want to just stop the car and text Christy to go, (laughs) what do I do? How do I deal with this, right? Like last month, she asked me, or two months ago, hey, Dad, when can you take me to Fresno? Because there was this guy at Hume Lake that she liked, and he lives in Fresno, and she mapped it out. Dad, it's only three and a half hours, (laughs) you know? You didn't even talk to him through text, yeah, but... Well, I just want to get it kind of going. So it's like we are bombarded with the asks of our kids, and sometimes it gets exhausting, right? And this is the image that God gives us, because I can't give them everything. That wouldn't be good if Isaac lived on cake pops from Starbucks. He would love that, right? He knows he has to have an egg bite before he has the the sugar, and I'm trying to train him, protein builds muscle. Sugar is poison, I'm trying to, but he's just, Dad, I know it's, I'm trying to find that thing. But look, when we ask and seek and knock, I think that we have to watch and wait. It's like we want to wait for God to act. This posture of expectancy, right? I think my kids ask and then they wait. They see what my posture is going to be. And then I'm thinking, well, why doesn't God answer these prayers that we ask and that we seek and that we knock, right? I think of Psalm 130, verse 6, this little, I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. And this is so cool because they'd have watchmen that would wait for attack. I think of what people are doing right now in Kiev. They're looking and they're seeking and they're waiting to see what's going to happen to their families and their country. And, and God gave us this picture in the book of Psalm that these watchmen would wait for the Lord, like the watchmen wait for the morning. So, really, prayer life is a life of expectancy. It's anticipating, it's trying to be aware. I pray, then I look, and then I wait, and then I'm not really quite sure how God's gonna answer. And I love what Mark Batterson, Christy gave me this book about prayer. It's called Draw a Circle. I don't know how many Mark Batterson fans. We we went through, early on, we went through Whisper. Remember that series with Mark Batterson? And he says, when we pray, we begin to notice. And the more you pray, the more you start noticing. Again, you get this spidey sense, Holy Spirit. I shouldn't say spidey sense. But it's the Spirit. It's like Pastor Eric's green Kia. Like, every time I see that green Kia Soul in Fremont, I'm like, I wonder if that's Eric. So I try to gun it and see, I wonder if that's him, right? It's like, I know somebody that drives this green car and it looks like a square. So I visually have this idea, or when I started growing a long beard, I'm like, hey, dude, I'm doing the same thing. So you start noticing things. Or when you buy and dress, you think, oh, well, somebody else sees this, right? There's something happens when you buy a car and you think, this is the only car in the road, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's cars everywhere, like my maroon van. I see maroon vans all the time. So it's just, there's this thing, this posture in giving all of ourselves into what we're praying for because, again, prayer is a journey, you guys, into awareness. How much are we aware of what God is doing and how he's answering? And when is he opening the door? Is it cat and mouse? Sometimes I think it is, but maybe God just wants the relationship. We ask, seek, and knock, and then we look, and then we listen, and then we pay attention. It's this participation thing with God. It's this relationship. It's the Bible. It's Genesis. It's covenant. It's, I want to partner with you guys. I don't want to just be this, this lightning bolt person from the top of the pyramid that's hierarchically throwing things down, saying you must obey and you must... No, he wants to participate. In some ways, God lowers himself. He gives us his free will. We have our own will, but he waits and he wants to use things. And then he gives us this picture in verse 9 and 10. What person is there among you when a son asks for fresh bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? He's asking this question to these people whose, whose livelihood, whose bread, is actually bread and fish. These are Galilean people. And a wise parent, these parents know that they want to feed their kids something good. You know, if we modernize this, I was thinking, okay, if Isaac asked for pizza, I don't give him the, the, the pizza baking stone or the cardboard that comes with the frozen pizza, right? That wouldn't be nice. Or if my daughter asked for spaghetti, I wouldn't give her Medusa, right? That would be kind of weird. One time I bought a snake for Kayla because she was into reptiles. Man, they grow up so fast now. She's like, I don't like reptiles. Eh. It's like, you know, I, then Pastor Sherman goes, you gave your kid a snake? You know, like, what is that? Now I know. Okay, yes. And then, by the way, the snake escaped. So Christy still looks left and right, like, where's that snake? Honey, it's long dead. It's down the vent. But, um, you know, here's the thing. Children don't have the capacity, you guys, to know what's good for them. That's just it. And sometimes we don't either. You know, Kayla, I'm sure, would love to live on Doritos and ice cream and candy and Isaac, same thing, donuts or, you know, Grandma Pam's, um, sh- the cake that she gives her, that's how she equates Grandma Pam is, oh, she's going she's to give me things, right? <laughs> so it's this, I can't have them live on that, but children can't see cause and effect, Right? We have overview of their lives, at least we think we do, but they have this point of view, and it's our job to shepherd and guide, yes, but, you know, what if God had overview of your whole life, kind of like a Shakespearean play, right? God's the writer of the life, and we're just the characters on stage. We can't see what's gonna happen, but what if God is writing a beautiful story through our heartaches and our suffering, right? Sometimes I wish, like Job is just, you know, what? It's in the struggle. I love it. It's in the questions. God didn't answer his questions. He gave him nature, which is a great answer sometimes when things don't make sense. So it's this cause and effect, right? And then, you know, again, this tension, this toggle I feel is, well, God already knows what I need, so even before I ask, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, you know, why, why ask God, again, if he knows what our needs are, but again... It's in the asking and the seeking and the knocking that he wants a relationship. When my kids pour out their hearts to me, you guys, it connects me to them. It's the weirdest thing. Kayla's a little harder because she's an introvert, and I'm trying to connect with her through music, but I hear her heart sometimes open up of, okay, what is it about this song? It seems super dark to me, but I'm like, okay, Grace didn't like that kind of music, but Kayla likes this music, so I'm trying to... My posture is to listen because I want to connect with them. When Isaac wants to draw with me or play catch with me, I just want to sit and read a book. But I know that Isaac's just, maybe, you know, should I give him a a sibling or something? Because he just, having kids so spaced out was not part of our plan, but they're like these only children. And so Christy and I are like, man, when we were kids, (laughs) we had our brothers and sister, but literally they all want something different. But we love them. We love them, you know? I want to hear Isaac's heart. I hope that he never stops talking to me, right? God wants to hear your heart. He wants you to keep on asking and seeking and knocking. Look, we're his creatures. He's our creator. I want outcomes. I don't know about you guys. I pray for outcomes all the time. But what if it's not the outcomes? What if it's God himself? What if it's just him? What if he is just enough? Instead of all the outcomes. Yeah, I want... My wife's co worker to be healed of cancer. She's a young mother. And I'm like, God, you can just heal. So, like parenthood, I try to shape and guide my kids the best I can, but I'm a little bit compromised because I live in this fallen world. God entrusted these kids to us, and they're going to have a will of their own, but God partners us. God partners with us, right? Our requests matter. And your requests matter. My requests matter. Verse 11. So if you, despite your evil intentions, I know that sounds harsh, but we'll flesh that out. So if you, again, the rhetorical question, the imagery, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? So despite our creatureliness, our mortal earthliness, we're limited. We're not perfect. We have evil, evil intentions. We just do because we're selfish, you guys. We're broken. This hyperbole here that compared to the goodness of God, we can't measure up. So when James says, hey, look, every good and perfect gift comes from the heart of the Father, we can trust that. Or even Ephesians 2 where it says, God's grace, it's a gift. Nothing that we could earn, strive for, It's a gift. And sometimes it's hard to receive things, isn't it? But God just wants to give us gifts. And it's not outcome gifts. It's the gifts of himself because he is writing the play. He is writing the story of your life. He wrote Rick's story, A Beautiful Life. Rick has an awesome marriage. This guy loves his wife. He was such an example to me. He loves his kids. He involved his boys in tech. He his, you know, I just... What a beautiful life and how he involved and how he loved God and God writes this story and it's a journey of trust. Can we trust that God knows more than what we think we know? That's tough, isn't it? That's hard to kind of live life that way when we want to keep asking and seeking and knocking and we don't get Many of you know, I've talked about my own brother many times. He had a brain tumor when he was four years old. I can't imagine. My parents didn't know if he was going to live or die each day. Back then, they didn't have good medical facilities. Um, he got, received radiation, so we had this bald spot on the half side of his head. He had the um, intellect of like a, a, maybe a fourth or a fifth grader. Um, we lived in hospitals, really. and Part of my childhood was just... Okay, we gotta, he's got to go get his blood drawn because these medications make him comatose. And, you know, he drools. And, you know, God, when are you going to heal him? But, you know, God used, he lived 40 years. He was only supposed to live five or six years. And I'm like, I don't know how good of a life he had. But we prayed, hoping for a miracle in his life, and it just never happened. And so I'm like, but that shaped me. That helps shape me see when I see a boy with autism or a boy in a wheelchair or a a girl that can't really connect. God uses that as part of my story to, to, to welcome and see. You know, some of you are waiting for some miracles in the lives of your loved ones somebody that's in trouble or away from God or addicted. God hears. We have to keep knocking and asking. So let me kind of land the plane here. Let me just land the plane. Again, I always want to go back to the Bible. One of my favorite accounts in the Bible is the Garden of Gethsemane picture, right? It's in the the gospel accounts. And it's like the, I love how the Steven Spielberg-ness of this, the camera is panned on Jesus. The same Jesus who tells us to ask, ask, seek, and knock, he did this in the garden. He gave us an example. Check this out. In the message, it says this. Jesus pulled away from them about a stone's throw. He dropped to the ground and he prayed, Father, please remove this cup from me. But not what I want. What do you want? And at once an angel from heaven was at his side, strengthening him. He prayed with all his might, all the harder. Sweat wrung from his his forehead like drops of blood. It poured down his face as he did battle with his father look with great tears and drops of blood jesus begged and pleaded and agonized his impending death the humanity of this is beautiful he's like god is there another way is there another way because this is going to be gruesome and ugly and i know i'm god but i'm human too And let me tell you, I connect so much more with the humanity of Jesus, even though he is God. It's such a beautiful picture. That he wrestled with his father in the garden. Remember, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. And he was asking, he was seeking, he was knocking. That was his posture. And maybe the deep relational trust is forged in this crucible of suffering and anxiety. What if suffering has something to teach us about God and his character? He did this. Jesus' prayer wasn't answered. It wasn't answered. He went to Calvary, died a, a horrible, gruesome, bloody, naked, cold, abandoned by his 12 disciples who he took communion with, broke bread with. They were nowhere to be seen except for John. The women, of course, were there. The women are always there. Women always show up. Just, we we know that. But here, look. What if this was, Jesus answered this because God raised him from the dead? What if God answered his prayer, Jesus rose from the dead, here's a new creation, a new Adam. See, we don't see. The prayers that we pray now, what if the kingdom of heaven, we don't know? The prayers that Rick Engel prayed, He's seeing these things now. We just don't see. We don't see. And in closing, let me just close with this. It's pretty simple. God wants you to talk to him. He wants you to talk to him. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe if you go on a nature hike, or if you go on a jog, or, you know, for me, it's on the way to school, or before I go to the skate park, or just, you know, I just, we want God to use us in your little areas of influence. He wants us to talk to him. He wants to hear my heart. Man, I, uh, I am, I'm getting nervous about my kids these days and the things that are happening in social media and this world. And I'm just, I feel so vulnerable. And like my mom this week, you know, she's almost eighty. She goes, Doug, I still worry about you. Oh man, I thought, what do you have to worry about? I got this. I just, mom's worry, just what they do, right? And so that's just, so God is the same, so much more, right? Even though I'm, we're evil, God. God sees. God's got this. He knows when we're going to die. He knows. So if you could dream up the perfect dad, God is so much better because a lot of us don't have great connection with our dads. And we're scared to trust because maybe we were given a stone or we were given a snake. Manipulative, that happens. That happens. So God wants us to trust him. He knows what's best for us. So what I want us to do Because I want you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes as we kind of wrap this up. We have a father who listens, who's impacted by our requests. Our request shifts his heart. I want you to picture this giant ear on the throne of God in heaven this gigantic ear. This is what this woman gave me at 90 years old. And this ear is leaning forward on this throne, on this beautiful emerald, beautiful colors beaming from it, this gigantic ear. And he's nodding as he's listening, and he's listening to your cries, to your petitions to your asks, to your knocks. He's drawing close. This ear is drawing close. Seismic shifts on the earth by him listening to your requests, to that neighbor you're praying for, to that person that you're scared to reach out, you're the requests might change the person the destiny of that student of that person of that coworker god is listening and he's listening and he's all ear that's what we want we want a husband who listens we want a wife who listens we want children who listen We just want to be listening. God, you listen. He's leaning, he's listening.